You are listening to Think Funny with Aaron Donnelly, Nate Sadler, and Matt Donnelly. For show notes and to check out Aaron's books, please visit AaronDonnelly.com. And now, the show that only thinks it's funny, the Think Funny Podcast. So welcome to the Think Funny Podcast. This is Aaron Donnelly. I'm here with my co-host, Nate Sadler. Hey, everybody. And Matt Donnelly. Hey, guys. And today, we are going to be talking about the Cold War. I really miss that you can't call someone a commie anymore for, like, uh, not packing your groceries good or butting in front of you in line. That's a great insult that I think has been lost somehow. I know. It really has been. Unless you're in Cuba or Venezuela. I think in some states, it's probably a compliment now. (laughs) (laughs) It is interesting to think about um, with Russia interfering in our latest elections and basically every war, not every war, but the Korean War, the Vietnam War, we're really just kind of proxy wars of us versus communism or us versus the Soviet Union in a way. And here we are still with Russia interfering and trying to manipulate things. Now, the the culture of Russia and what I've heard is that that same culture of not only paranoia, but also of that everyone is corrupt and that the government, of course, the government is corrupt. Of course, things are meddled in with elections. You do it, we do it, everybody does it. That is sort of the mentality um, under Putin under Putin, that they have. And that's a throwback to the Cold War. I mean, because Putin was in the KGB. He's a product of the Cold War. So that still exists today. It's, it's interesting how it's still playing out. Yeah, but I gotta my... say, the man looks good without a shirt on. <laughs> he is <laughs> really buff. I hope when I'm his age, I look that good without a shirt on. Someone it recently came out that he was likely autistic or on the spectrum, and it, it's just his face looks like it for some reason. I don't know. He's always got his face kind of down when he's walking, and he doesn't make eye contact, maybe. I don't know. It's really? Weird. Aaron, what I like to say is that, you know, when wars end... I like to say that they never left. Like right. when the when the USSR dis, dis, you know dissolved, they really never left. The you know the Russian became Russia became its own country, uh, but the KGB was still there. You know the oligarchs were still there. The, the guys never really left, and so it it doesn't surprise me that you know they would tr- try to still influence our democracy. Maybe I'll start off with the topic I picked because it was sort of early on um, with the development of the Cold War. And that was um, the decision to drop the atomic bomb on Hiroshima and then Nagasaki. So growing up, you know, what you learn and what we learned, I think, was uh, we had to drop the bomb because it was a way to end World War II. And the there was sort of this math that the government threw out that said, uh, if we didn't drop it and kill those 200,000 people, how many more hundreds of thousands or millions of lives would have been taken um, if the war had prolonged another five years, two years, whatever. And so it was a necessary like trump card to throw down, and that stopped the war. And have you actually seen that before? Have you read the assessment of what they thought it would cost? In lives, uh, I, I, so the 
I know that it's it's like kind of increased over time, but I have heard like because specifically what the government threw out there was the invasion of Japan, a land invasion would cost, you know, upwards of what, a million, potentially a million American soldiers. Yeah, they said and, you know, baseline hundred thousand and I thought I saw top line was like seven hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah. And that's just in- incredible. Yeah, and there were a lot of factors, you know, and we had talked about the Spanish Inquisition last week, and it's easy, and it's that's the thing, is it's easy to judge 500, 600 years later. I wonder if, so already people are really starting to look at, the, yeah, probably starting about like 20 years ago, people are really starting to relook at, um, was it justified to drop the atomic bomb? Uh, I think 500 years from now, looking back, they will be a lot more critical of Truman and dropping the bomb. The people that fight against, that say we shouldn't have dropped the bomb, will say that we really dropped the bomb just to impress uh, Russia. And we dropped it for post-war reasons. So we wanted to show Russia, Russia our power, and that we had this thing, and that we were willing to use it. Russia, because if you look at the timing of the dropping, uh, we dropped it, I think it was on August 6th, like three days later, Russia invaded um, uh, Manchuria. So the Russian army was already lined up and ready to go into Japan. They just declared war on Japan like three days after we dropped the bomb. Truman didn't want Russia to have this large presence in Japan and basically for post-war spoils and for territory to take over. And they also wanted to impress Russia with our power. That's sort of a big thing. It's like, would have the war have ended anyway? And I think there's real concerns that it would. A lot of, a lot of American even generals like Eisenhower said it was unnecessary to drop the, the bomb. Curtis LeMay, who was responsible for dropping um, air raids on Tokyo and other cities, even worse than the bomb, or these other air raids that we did, he said he didn't need to drop the bomb, that the Japanese would have uh, would have surrendered within two weeks had we not dropped it anyway. Um, just interesting. I mean, I know there's a... There's a portion where you can go back and judge history, but I think that's okay. I think it's okay to go back and judge history just so we can learn from it. So in 500 years, when uh, people are coming out of the rubble of the next atomic war, (laughs) they're going to look back on (laughs) Truman's decision? (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Like, uh, okay, so let's say it saved a net of 500,000 lives. In the long course of history, would introducing the atomic bomb, would that net be flipped because it'll be used elsewhere and, you know, it could be a net negative 3 billion in the long run when you look at a long history timeline of the use of the bomb. Um, how do you, so how do you personally feel like, does it, do you personally have a problem? See, I, I wish there was another way. I'm not saying there is another way. I just, you know, I mean, since our two countries have been on good terms since the war, it it just kind of makes me sad, you know, but I don't know. I don't yeah. have a better answer. I don't know how it would have played out differently. So I always wonder why two bombs were necessary. Because they had two of them? Yeah, because they had two of them. Right. We had two of them. I really think that it's likely that, you know, there was... So people were very racist against Japanese, and some say for good reason. They bombed us, like, unprovoked. They tortured, when it leaked how we were treating, how they were treating their, like, their POWs, it was, like, horrific how they were treating 
American um, soldiers. I mean, just horrible mutilations. Do you guys ever remember ever learning anything in school about the internment camps? I don't ever remember hearing one thing about it in school. It was very underplayed, at least when I what I remember. It was underplayed um, in high school and middle school. I mean, in college is where I first learned about it. The amount of racism that was out there. I mean, his, some I've heard like historians looking back and saying we probably never hated a race as much as we did the Japanese or or dehumanized. So when we were fighting the Germans, they looked like us. We kind of felt like they were humans like us. But a large percentage of the United States, when they thought of Japanese, thought of them as less than human. And they did things that were incomprehensible, like they uh, did kamikaze bombings. We had a horrible, was Okinawa where the big uh, push was, and we had a battle there. We ultimately won it, but it was at a very high cost. And so when they saw all these kamikaze people, you know, fighters, we thought, well, man, they're they're not going to stop at anything. There is no way to stop these people. If we invade the land, they're going to fight down to the very last person. And then it kind of thinking, who are these people anyway? Are they, are they even really as valued as humans as we are? And I think uh, I think that played into it a little bit in, in allowing the justification for it. I, I personally don't think that we should have done it. Um, I take a more pacifist uh, view of things. I think that we could have uh, surrounded a lot, worked with uh, Russia a little more. Russia could have invaded that side. We could have at least surrounded it and barricaded them from supplies. I just feel like there was another way rather than dropping this bomb on a city of civilians. Whereas, you know, 10 years earlier, that was like every, every person in the United States and leader said, you can't just bomb civilian cities. Right. You know, you yeah. can't do that. That's like a war crime. Maybe that's I wonder if what Truman, bothers uh, me the most is it was a, it was not a military target. Right. You know, I wonder if military Truman target, you know, foresee the upcoming, uh, upcoming battle with Russia. And that's yeah, absolutely want, what it, yeah. he didn't want Russia in our hemisphere. I, I think that's right because after the World War II, we basically wrote the Constitution. We actually wrote the Constitution for Japan, and we yeah, included we, it. Yeah. We included it in there that uh, they had to love baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely an outlook of that. And here's the thing, too: Russia. It's so interesting to think about. Russia's relationship in trying to uh, manipulate our election now, they had at least three spies in the uh, Manhattan Project and leaked and got information on the atomic bomb. That's how they got their atomic bomb. Their first atomic bomb, Russia's, was an exact copy of ours because they had leaked that information. That's how they got it. Secondly, they didn't even have a plane, a long-distance plane, to fly it. So then they stole the B-29 bomber plans, and their first long-range bomber was an exact copy of ours. And so it's just like, it's bizarre. And it's definitely, you're not going to have trust with a company, with a country like Russia. Um, so just a really follow-up to that. I mean, after World War II ended, because we dropped the bombs... Then there became this distrust between us and Russia, and then became the Truman Doctrine, which said that we were going to fight communism wherever it existed throughout the world. Right. Which led to all the prior, which led to all the wars after that, including Vietnam. So I right. mean, like you said, I mean, if we had never dropped the bombs, who knows if you know the Truman Doctrine would have ever come true? We're getting back to the bomb real quick. And you asked me, you know, what I thought about it. I always like to think, 
So I always do, it's like, you could call it like the John Bonet Ramsey test. So imagine, you always see these uh, horrifying, you know, Vietnam photos of civilians or Japanese or whatever, and they're burned and everything. Imagine if those were blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white girls uh, that looked like John Bonet, and they were going through that, and everyone there was white and American-looking, and we had nuclear bombed a city that was like that. I think that would have really, if they would looked different even, I don't, I don't know that we would have ever dropped the bomb. I don't know. That's just a thought I had. It's true. I mean, I think we'd think of it differently if it was, you know, London or Paris or a city like that, you know. Yeah. They, they yeah. speak our language. They They look like us. So, yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. true. That's an interesting way to look at it. Every time you start digging into something, it's like, it's so much more complicated that you can even wrap your brain around as to why geopolitical things happen. Nothing is simple. Even when you think you're the good guy, it turns out that there were a lot of things that you did as the bad guy and and vice versa. Um, but don't you think it's simple? Don't you think it's always about money? Yeah, man. I And That's I don't know. I mean, not too many people probably think that the communist manifesto is a, is a good document <laughs> but really if you look yeah. at threads of history and what moves history the the basis for the communist manifesto is that history is moved by economic factors that it's it's a fight between those who have the money and those who don't they but call I think, it is that called economic darwinism or, or social economic yeah something like mm-hmm. that yeah but I think, I mean, what I liked about the doing the Cold War for this session is that a lot of people think about the 1980s as being, you know, really fun and, and you know, out there and, and different. But I think really the 80s were, you know, was a lot about fear. It was. About living mm-hmm. under the guise of this Cold War where we never knew, you know, if one day or next we were going to be, um, you know, subject to nuclear war. It's kind of like saying, if you think of the 80s, and I, I think that you can apply this to any year. If you just add, say, it was the year, and then afterwards say, and people just wanted to dance. <laughs> and I think if you can, it was 1984, and people just wanted to dance. Oh. It was 1978. You think <laughs> I think that's like how people... A Russian version of Footloose? Like their own version? <laughs> Except much yeah. more subdued? It was that German sync pop that sang, you can dance if you want to? <laughs> yeah, the men without hats. Uh huh. I was looking at the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989, and I was just wondering: Do you think the German sync pop would exist without the Cold War? Hmm. hmm. I was listening point. to some Alphaville yesterday. Uh-huh. Uh, the the band that sings "Forever Young." Yep. Oh, uh, and yeah. I was thinking, wow, would they even exist without the Cold War? Yeah, would would uh, bands like Kraftwerk, do you know who Kraftwerk is? Yes. <laughs> it's kind of Devo before there was Devo, it was Kraftwerk. Which... Man, it's kind of like how you say that 9-11's the best thing that ever happened to Lee Greenwood. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah. Edit Sales that out. spiked after 9-11. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, it's true. It's true, Matt. I mean, I I don't think David Hasselhoff gets nearly enough uh, credit for his part he played in the bringing down of the Berlin Wall and his. <laughs> it his is ignored. Know. You know, speaking of uh, this, is my Geraldo link. 
Geraldo actually claimed that he helped bring down the Cold War by his uh, radio show that that aired in 1988 because it showed that uh, that the capitalism by selling washing machines and you know other household appliances you know was a good thing and so Russians were like huh let's hit the Cold War so we can uh, support Geraldo. So I was thinking did. Nate you know without the Cold War would he we have the um, the musical or the theater heroes such as Steven Seagal and you know all the others '80s stars. I don't think emerged. so. I I liked your angle of I mean like Rocky Four. Rocky Four is one of my favorite movies, and the whole movie. I mean, I think Ivan Drago has like four lines in that whole movie, but just the ten, the tension, like you can feel that Cold War tension, like the the final fight at the end of the movie when. Uh, they're fighting in Russia, and the whole crowd's against him. It's just everything's that tension the whole time. I will break you. I will. I must break you. If he dies, he dies. <laughs> That's perfect. That's good, Nate. But it 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 permeated every. I mean, just think about think about life in the eighties. I mean, it permeated everyday life. Like it was right. always think- on TV or being talked about. It was in movies. It was. On the news, it was everywhere, you know. And Did you guys I, have drills? Oh, yeah, we had drills. I think in elementary school. I think I remember going going out to the lockers and sitting there and having, you know, your hands behind your head and putting your knees behind your legs and, as I said, kissing your ass goodbye. So, and because yeah. we grew up in eastern Iowa where there was a Palo Atomic Energy Plant, you know, it got us all thinking about Chernobyl and that, you know, that whole disaster. And, and I, I was really scared as a kid. I mean, I was thinking at any time, you know, Russia could attack us and we'd be, you know, we'd be dead and we wouldn't even know it. We're, we're a high-value target because of all the cereal. <laughs> that's what I heard too, Nate. People used to say that. It, it, no, that's because what of, I did. I, people would always yeah. say three things. Um, Quaker, the nuclear power plant, and Rockwell yeah. Collins. Yeah, you're right. That's right. Oh, yeah, we'll get bombed. We're like number three. It was like a point of pride. We're like number three on the bomb list, you know? Yeah. Take that off. But I remember (laughs) after Chernobyl, we had a speaker come to our class from uh, Palo Power Plant that tried to reassure us that nuclear energy was actually really safe and was the best form of energy there was. I don't know if you guys had a different drill, but I think we did a drill one time, and I think we went into like an interior room... And I think I remember them having us put like a big thick textbook over our heads. Do you do you remember putting a book on top of your head? Because I, I think that extra inch of that textbook is what saves you. They would have us do that. And then um, after the training was done, we would all run outside and yell, Wolverines. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? Uh Aaron, you don't know the oh, movie Red Dawn? No, no. I knew that's a, that knew that would come out. I've never seen Red Dawn. Oh, Red Dawn is so Matt, you know Red Dawn, don't you? Oh yes, I know Red Dawn. Yeah, it's a um uh, what's his name? Patrick Swayze and a bunch of other uh eighties du jour actors. I love uh war games. Yeah. I just love the early eighties concept of being able to do anything with like the cheesiest computer ever. Um, like what was the weird science where they make a woman? Yeah, I, that a computer program. Me. The science behind that movie—it's like <laughs> they have like a 1977 like a, like first Apple ever made, and the, oh, yeah. here's a woman. Yeah, and then always uh, there's a kid, 
and he's talking about hacking, and then they, he's banging away at his keyboard, and then he has to say the phrase, I'm in. you got to say, I'm in, in any early 80s movie, if you're hacking. The thing that always made me laugh, like when you're saying that, I thought of people always would, in those movies, go, all right, I found a way to bypass the system. <laughs> Who's creating these systems that are so easily bypassed by like a 14-year-old? I hacked the mainframe. That's another keyword to throw the in. Mainframe, yep. The network. It is interesting when you talk about movies um, and you think about like the 50s, the science fiction movies, and how people say that really what they were were um, uh, analogies for the Soviet Union and the threat of atomic war. Like the day the earth stood still is one that people reference as that. Godzilla is a, a Japanese creation to symbolize atomic war. And so you see kind of these paranoia things in the 50s that were really just outcroppings of what people were feeling. I wonder if... And I wonder if that happens in movies, like if you think about the early, mid-2000s where technology and iPhones and everything is really coming online and and you see a lot of uh, uh, apocalyptic type movies like Hunger Games and stuff like that. I don't know. I think you've already started to see some, but I think you'll start seeing more of like your artificial intelligence paranoia. Mm-hmm. which certainly does concern me. They said that MIT is showing a robot nothing but like uh, disturbing images and stuff, like trying to train it to be... And I'm like, why would you do that? What are you what? doing? You want to like, kick open the door and be like, what? I want to know whose dollars are paying for this program and what are the yeah. what are our benefits? I would they rather should really go back to making robots thing. for sex. <laughs> <laughs> and not total annihilation of the human race. Have you ever heard the story about, I think, I don't know who, and it might have been Stephen Hawking that wrote it. He's like, I think it's likely that the world would be destroyed by artificial intelligence, but not in a way that you think. And so there's a story out there that's really interesting. It's about a business, uh, basically a business mails out all these cards to their customers. And they said, notice that they get a better response if it looks like it was a handwritten signature at the end. And so they say, well, I don't want to sign all these cards. Let me build this robot that will sign this signature that looks almost perfect. And they program the robot to say, your whole goal is to make your signature look perfect, uh, look just like humans. And so the robot somehow comes online and discovers that somehow it will be uh, unplugged at some point or stopped at some point, and that will stop it from its mission of perfecting the human signature. And so it secretly goes uh, online and orders parts to develop, uh, to build lots of other robots like it, and takes down the internet and kills all the <laughs> all the people, and goes and repopulates entire worlds uh, with all of these robots, and all they are doing is redoing the human signature, because they don't have a motive. Their motive is to accomplish the goal, and that's all they know. And he thinks that it'll be a mistake some accident as to why how we eventually get replaced. Yeah, I, guess, I guess it won't understand the reason. It doesn't know that it's being evil or good or anything. It, it just knows it that this is the program. Evil or good, you know, yeah. it can't. Yeah. It just understands that something's trying to stop it from accomplishing its task, you know? Right. So yeah. that's interesting. And that was my other yeah. question. I mean, do we think that there would ever be another cold war? And I don't think so. I, I think that's an antiquated um, idea. And that these days, I mean, 
I don't think countries would ever get into another world war. I, I think what you're saying is we're, co- we're so connected by technology and economics. Matt, do you remember that Trump has Twitter? Oh, yes. <laughs> I forgot about that. That that's that's your wild card right there. But does anyone follow him anymore? I mean, <laughs> I'll, okay, I'll you know what I will say once a week. I will just kind of comb through the, his past week. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, oh, <laughs> they should get him on a different app like MySpace. <laughs> Something else that he would he would think that, you know, he people would be listening to, but they're really not. You need to get like the nuclear football. Someone needs to trade it out for another looking nuclear football. But it just it doesn't do anything. And then if he thinks he hits the atomic bomb, then there's this whole actor game plan where people swarm in and, and play out the whole role play just with him. But it's not real. Matt's briefcase that he had in college. <laughs> yeah. and write a write n- nuclear but spelt like new clear like n-e-w clear i don't know have you guys i haven't read any of the Mueller report is it available to i'm yeah. sure, you I'm can, sure uh, it's all redacted i'm sure it's just like it a, a bunch of black lines on a page but <laughs> yeah i think it's now available in Audi- audible if you want to listen to it for free um, but I'm not sure how many hours it is. I'm sure. You, you know what would be a complete boss move is if, if Trump did the, the reading of it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be great. <laughs> there, there would be so many mispronounced words, like oranges. And it would be awesome because he'd be like yelling in the background like, hey, how do you say uh, whatever? <laughs> What's this word? <laughs> or if it was like the only one that was ever released, like it wasn't released any other way. Yeah. And, and then right. they announce that it would be like uh, Morgan Freeman or something. And then Trump comes on. <laughs> He's like, hey, everybody, it's me for the next 12 hours. Oh, that'd be you hear him like drinking Diet Cokes. <laughs> like belching and, and he's getting like totally McDonald's and you can hear like the rappers crinkling around and like forgetting just, there's no like audio control quality <laughs> forgetting the microphones on for hours at a time so uh for my co-host Nate Sadler and Matt Donnelly this is Aaron Donnelly thanks everyone for listening thanks everybody for supporting the podcast it's been growing and and uh, we just really appreciate it. And so if you'd like to give us some feedback or comments, you can email us at, the, at thinkfunnypodcast at gmail.com. And until next week, we will see you then. Dos vidanya. <laughs> I will You've been break saving you. that, Nate. <laughs> I have. See you guys. Thanks for listening to Think Funny. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and tell a friend. If you have comments or topics for the guys, you can email them at thinkfunnypodcast at gmail.com. And check out aaronedonley.com for today's show notes and much more. That's A-A-R-O-N-D-O-N-L-E-Y dot com. <laughs> <laughs>